Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm in quite the wonderful mood right now, although I really have no reason to be. I'm getting on a flight later this afternoon. I have to leave for the airport in approximately six hours. I'm taping this episode on Monday morning in LA at 8.04 a.m. You know, I usually tape like late at night. I'm getting on a plane later today. I have a ton of errands to run. I have no USD dollars in dineros. I have to go to the bank. I have to go to the post office and FedEx. I still need to clean my apartment. And the best of all, I have packed not nary one piece of clothing, nor a shoe, nor an accessory. I did put my jewelry together and I did put my toiletries and makeup in a bag. That's all I've done. Don't ask why. I didn't feel like it. I laid in the bed all day yesterday and was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this podcast. I'm going to do the ads for the podcast. I'm going to clean my house so I can come back to a house that's licked the floors clean because that's my ritual. I just didn't feel like it. Also, I drank too much on Saturday. Like I didn't get fucked up, but I was like, I can't do it like I used to and was down for the count all day yesterday, if we're keeping it 100. So now I've been up since 7 a.m. getting my affairs in order so I can get on this plane to another continent later today. Pray for me, y'all. Pray for me. Hopefully by the time you hear this podcast, I will be at least in transit. I will at least be in Europe. Let's hope I ain't still sitting in L.A. because I missed the flight. I'm not going to miss the flight. I might not have the right clothes for the trip, but I ain't going to miss the flight. Y'all see me posting pictures of the same three outfits? Don't say shit. Just understand, she had a lot to do before she left. But she made her flight. That's got to count for something. I had a 10 weekend, which says a lot. If you listen to the podcast on a regular basis, you know a 10 in LA is hard for me to come by. I think this might be my first one. I've said many times how I travel other places and it's just like a 10 and I don't have 10s in LA. I don't think I've ever had a 10 in LA, but I had consecutive days of 10. I think I told y'all last week. No, I didn't because the episode went up on Friday, which means I taped on Thursday. My friend Will, who's been in town for a couple weeks, he's already gone back to the East, I'm sad to say. I really enjoyed having him here. But we went to my favorite restaurant up in Burbank, Castaway. It has such amazing views. We ate like gods. That food is so good. But we went there for lunch and we had a very pleasant day. Although one of the umbrellas fell over in the fire pit and caught on fire. But it was very like non-flammable. It didn't like whoosh. It just sort of slow burned and was like, you know, noticeably burnt the fuck up. When Will superhero that he is, pulled it out the fire pit. It all worked out. But other than that, it was a perfectly lovely time. Castaway is always a good time. I went there for my my 40th birthday. I, I went with my cousin and my bestie, but I've been there plenty of times since. Um, but that was Friday. And then on Saturday, more friends from the East, or at least the Midwest. They don't live in the East anymore. But my friends Stephanie and Quentin, they run the collective pack, and they did a huge fundraiser for Black elected officials at... Was it SLS? The garden at the SLS hotel. Um, Last time I was there was Grammy weekend. And right before the event, this guy started screaming that Kobe Bryant had been killed in a helicopter crash. And I was like, wait, what? So like I was thinking about that when I was at the event. But it was a really good event. My future mayor of L.A., I wish I would still be here to vote for her, Karen Bass, currently a congresswoman, but running for mayor of L.A. I bought a copy of Los Angeles magazine that she's on the cover. I haven't had a chance to read her article yet, but I heard her speak when I was at Leading Women Defined. 
she spoke for, she did a Q&A for about 40 minutes about um, her vision for LA. There were so many elected officials there. There were 20 or 30 or so people that were running for office in various states, various cities, and everything from elected judges all the way up to the Senate. So I made a list of, you know, maybe six or seven people that I thought were impactful. Like everyone got up and made maybe like a 45 seconds, two minutes speech. But I made a list of the folks that I wanted to, you know, learn more about and wanted to support. And I mean, not just, you know, tweet or share their information, but also cut check because, you know, elections are expensive. So it was a really, really good event. Tracy Ellis Ross was there. She popped in for a quick minute. She was on the host committee for the event. So make sure the good word was spread, um, especially amongst the people who, you know, could afford the price tag for it. It was not an inexpensive room to enter. Kendrick, not Kendrick, um, what's his name? Kendrick, Kendrick from um, Insecure, the dude who played Nathan, beautiful self, uses his platform and his abs to capture people's attention. Kendrick Sampson, that's his name. I just pulled him up on Instagram, but, but uses his gorgeous face and his abs to attract attention on Instagram. So you at least click on the picture. If you can get to the caption, he's usually going to talk to you about something going on in the world that needs your energy, your time, and your interest. It's a really smart guy. I love when folks have beauty and brains. It's incredibly hard to come by. But he was there. Everybody was all dressed up to the nines. And he showed up in like a full sweat shorts. <laughs> a whole sweat short set. You know, it wasn't really a come as you are event. But you came and you supported. Hopefully you cut a check. That counts. I didn't get a chance to speak to him. But he's gorgeous in person. He's even more beautiful in person than he is in pictures. There was a bunch of people there. Alfre Woodard. She spoke. She was part of the host committee. It was a really good event, really good turnout. That was the, like, the official event. And then we left there, and then we went and had drinks at the Waldorf, which is gorgeous. I love that view. I want to tell this story, but because of the limited number of people who were present, somebody would be able to figure out who I'm talking about, and so I won't. I'll tell it another time. It was really good girls' time, just cocktails and, and good scenery. And I was talking about Ghana and everyone's like, are you really moving to Ghana? And I was like, I have been talking about moving to Ghana for like a year and change. Like I started talking about moving to Ghana before COVID. And people are like, oh no, but you're really moving. Like you're really moving. And they were like, when are you going to Ghana? And I was like, um, that was Saturday. I was like, uh, Monday. They were like, are you moving on Monday? I'm not moving on Monday. I'm not moving on Monday. I'm moving later this year. And then everybody's like, okay, so when can I come? Whenever you buy a ticket, <laughs> that's when you can come. If you're a personal friend with my number in your phone, you can crash at the house. I'm fine with that. Um, but yes, I am moving to Ghana. But yeah, so we did the Waldorf. There was another reception for the collective pack like later that night. It was at the Garden in the Sofitel. So we just hotel hopped all day. And then I came home and like, you know, crashed. And then Sunday, got up and went to brunch with my homie. I hadn't seen her in forever. Like, between her travel and my travel and her work and my work, we just hadn't caught up in a while. We had brunch on the rooftop downtown. Like I told you, it was a really good weekend. And I was like, oh, like, maybe if there were more weekends like this, then maybe I would have stayed in L.A.? I don't know. I will say that, like, a good chunk of my conversation on, on Sunday, me and her, she's a New Yorker, too. She was like, L.A. would be really fucking amazing if I just saw more black people. Like at the places that, that we go to, like if there were just more black people in the room, because we're like sitting on this rooftop and we're the only black people. And then we were at, you know, the Waldorf and we're sitting on the rooftop. And I think there was there was a black couple in the corner, but everybody else was like of non-blackness. 
it's like, and I like this city and I love these venues, but I'm just used to, you know, DC or New York. Like I can go wherever I want to go to places I like to go. I'm never the only black person or the only black table. Not so much my experience in LA. I would have to change like a lot of the places that I hang out and the things that I like to do so that I can be around more black people. Or I could just change cities, (laughs) countries, continents, shit, because I can, I will. So that's that. What else is going on? Mm -hmm. Last night when I should have been packing, I was laying in bed watching Winning Time, which is freaking amazing. I also watched... um, Magic Johnson has a documentary on Apple TV right now. and It's a four-part series. And Winning Time is about the rise of the Lakers in the 1980s, which essentially Magic Johnson. And so his character, and I specifically say his character, is pretty much the, what's the, word, the, uh, the protagonist of Winning Time. I think we're six or seven episodes in. It's Magic Johnson in his rookie season as a Laker. So by and large... The Lakers, as an organization, as individual players, as coaches, as front office owners, have disavowed winning time. It is an over-the-top show. It is very salacious. Magic Johnson looks like a whole ho in this show. And it's notably, it opens with Magic Johnson being diagnosed with HIV. And it's not a reach to tie those two things together. Um, because if you watch Magic Johnson's documentary... Or just live through this time period. Magic Johnson was very much like, yeah, I, I caught HIV from being promiscuous and having unprotected sex. He's never shied away from that. So the depictions in Winning Time, although they may not be accurate, they also may be representative of the spirit of some of the things that were, that were happening. If I was a player or anybody you know, associated with the Lakers, I might be pissed about it. So I'd be like, why are y'all trying to put my business on Front Street like this? Like, this shit happened in the 80s. It was a good 40 years ago. I'm a grown-ass man in my, like, 60s or something now. Now you want to go spill all this tea? I, I get it. I get it. You know who should be upset, though? Cookie Johnson. They got her on this show looking crazy. Crazy. Cookie Johnson, and this is a story that she tells. She wrote about it in her book. It's, it, it's included in this Apple documentary. She's heavily featured in Magic's documentary. And they've been married, like, 30-some-odd years. But she talks about in the documentary how Magic called off their wedding, their engagement, called off their engagement twice. And they dated for 14 years before they got married. He had a kid on her while they were dating. They say they were on off. So perhaps he had the kid when they were off. Just based on timeline and what we know about HIV, like we can kind of guess that he cheated on her during their final engagement. Two months after they finally got married is when he was diagnosed with HIV. So you give three to six months before that for him to contract it, for it to show up in a test. At that time, you were engaged to Cookie. But in this like latest episode of Winning Time, actually it was last week's episode, he sleeps with one, he has sex with one of her friends. And then she finds out about it in this episode. And I'm like, I don't know if it happened or not or whatever, but I was just like, you know, Cookie and Magic, when they talk about their relationship and the timelines and the called off engagement, they've tried to sanitize it. And again, they've been married for 30 some odd years. I don't know if their origin story really has, um, I don't know, messy as it is. I don't know if it's still an impactful story, but I'm just like, they got you out here looking wild, sis. Like, you know, he was a hoe. He treated you terribly. He talked to you like shit. He slept with one of your friends. 
and you still wanted him, even in the Magic Johnson documentary. Like, and this is like the official documentary that he has, you know, partially produced and, and, and is participating in. They have a clip from Oprah asking Cookie, and they were like, "You're a girl. He really put you through the ringer, didn't he?" And she was like, "Yeah." And then there's another sit down with Oprah after she uh, after Cookie wrote a book. I believe in magic. I think that was the name of the book. Something along those lines about you know her role as as his wife and and them their enduring love. And and she was telling you know the story of how you know he broke off the engagement twice and she kind of like giggles about it like it's funny and I'm like sis he ain't do right by you. I hope he does and on the back end. I mean they've been together 35 years. I hope it's a happy 35 years after the shit he put you through. Maybe I'm incorrect and I'm looking at. You know, something that happened back in the 80s through the lens of 2020. But I was like, you you told that story now. Like, he had a baby on you, and he called off the engagement twice. And then two months after you married him, you found out he had HIV. We call that struggle love now. But maybe he turned it around. Maybe HIV was his wake-up call, and, and he decided to be the man that he was supposed to be. I hope. I hope she's had nothing but great living and great times with him since then i see them on their yacht every year if i actually stayed with you you can start by making up for the bullshit by putting me on a yacht every summer every time i think about your bullshit and shenanigans i might have to think about the yacht they do really beautiful birthday parties she's always dressed to the nines but i watched winning time and i watched the documentary which i was like i don't know why y'all so upset with winning time the documentary is confirming the spirit of what is depicted in winning time i'm like y'all was a lot all of y'all every single one of y'all the owners, the players, the coaches, all of y'all. Cookie, all of y'all was a lot. I'm glad y'all made it through that season of y'all lives. Cookie's a very lovely woman. I met her at Leading Women Defined. She used to have a column in Essence. I think 2008, 2010, something like that. I used to edit it. So I used to call her every week. I used to call her once a month and interview her about HIV. That's how I originally met her. Um, but I never met her in person. So I saw her at Leading Women Define. Like I went up and I was like, hey, you like, used to have this column at Essence. And I was actually the editor that used to interview you. And so she was like, oh my gosh. She was like, how did you turn out? What are you doing now? And I was like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But then I'm like, you know, leaving it all behind and moving to Ghana. And she was like, oh my gosh. I know people in Ghana. So yeah. I also watched this. Um, Viola Davis and Oprah have a sit down on... Netflix, and it's to promote Viola Davis's new book. Her new book is an Oprah Book Club selection, which is completely unsurprising. I have not been able to get my hands on this book. One of my friends called me the other day. She'd heard me talk about it on the podcast, and she has a copy of the book. She's actually interviewing Viola Davis in a sit down. The book is called Finding Me, by the way. Beautiful cover. It's a zoomed in image of Viola Davis's very beautiful face. When she sat down with Oprah, she talked about how, you know, people in Hollywood said she wasn't beautiful enough to be a leading woman. And I was like, with this face? And also, I mean, not to, you know, what's the word? What's the word? Not sexualize. What's the word I want to use? I'm trying to say Viola Davis also got body, too. She's usually very uh, modest. But when she does her award shows, like she puts the girls up on the glass and the waistline is snatched. I was like, oh! But no, my friend said that um, Viola had specifically asked to be interviewed or be in conversation with her. And so she was like, you know, it's Viola Davis. So of course, like the answer is yes. She was like, I read the book and I was like, oh, she was like, she been through it. Like she been through it, through it. And my friend has been through it, through it. And I was like, through it, through it, like what? Like, what do you mean? And she's like, girl, you got to get this book. 
So I called over to the publicist. I, st- I called over to the publicist. I still haven't been able to get a copy. I'm just have to download it. Because again, I'm leaving and the book doesn't come out until tomorrow. Maybe they'll have a copy in Ghana. Sometimes they get stuff a little later than, than we do. And I guess I could always download it. I mean, that's the obvious thing. But I like to have physical copies of my books. I still like to turn the page and, and write and scribble in the margin and underline stuff and circle words that I'm not familiar with and go look them up. Like there's a whole like ritual to reading for me. But I say all that to say, I watched the sit down with Oprah and Viola. It's only about an hour, maybe a little less even on Netflix. I immediately understood why my friend had the assessment of the book that she did. We've heard Oprah's stories of how she grew up a million times. And, you know, she grew up poor, impoverished, struggle for most of her very young life. And Oprah even says to Viola, and she said, I have the, the background that I have and the struggles that I had. And I thought, you know, I had it as bad as it could get and it could get no worse. And she said, and then I'm reading your book and was like, oh, you could hear the shit unspoken. But Viola talked about being so poor that they would fall asleep and she would feel the rats jumping on her to cover her face so the rats wouldn't jump on her face. And she talked about having this, this doll. And this is something Oprah brought up. And she said, in the bluest eye, there's a description of, I want to say the rats eating the face off of the dolls or something like that. And Viola has a description in her book, this is according to the Oprah interview, where she had a porcelain doll and she could hear the rats scratching the face off of the doll as she slept and she was too scared to get up or do anything because she didn't want to be attacked by the rats at night and I was like oh girl oh girl she tells another story where she's um she's talking about how she went to school and she smelled like urine and her teacher had to tell her how to clean herself so she wouldn't smell And she was like, I didn't know what to do. She said, we, you know, didn't have multiple changes of clothes. She said, we didn't have running water for me even to wash myself. She didn't say she had anxiety, but she said that she wet the bed until an older age. So clearly there's there's something going on there. I I imagine that means she's like, you know, sleeping in in urine-soaked sheets. So she smells like urine all the time. That's. She talks about not being able to go to school. Her shoes had holes in them. They had no food in the house. They had no heat in the house. It was Rhode Island during winter, which makes her ascent to Hollywood royalty. Oprah points out that she's, you know, the most awarded black actress in history. She rose from nothing. Hopes, dreams, wishes, prayers and figured it out to get to Hollywood. She talks about, and she was like, you know, people talk about pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And she was like, what if you don't even have boots? It was a really, really sad interview. She talked about colorism, facing it as a child, but also like once she got to Hollywood and from other black people, which I was like, yeah, we be like that sometimes. We be fucked. We're fucked up. Sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Her father did a number on them. She talked about forgiveness of him. There was just so much to the interview. And I was like, I have to get my hands on this book. I want to know this full story. Because so much of it was just so tragic. And I was like, there's got to be some joy in this woman's life. Like, I pray there is. Actually, she prayed. She talks about how she prayed to find her husband. 
and she had like a very specific prayer. She was like, I want him to be like, you know, a black man. I want him to be an ex-athlete. I want him to already have kids. So there's not pressure on me to have any. And then not so long after that, that whole man appeared, just that, that whole man of that exact description appeared. She's like, no, I was in therapy at the time. My therapist told me to give this a try. Oprah was like, I read that and called Gail and was like, you might need to try this. <laughs> I was like, why are you putting Gail's business in the street, Oprah? I'm, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. I might just have to read a digital copy. No, I'm not. I'm going to wait. I have to find an actual physical copy of this book. Maybe they'll have it at the airport. Airports sometimes get stuff early. We'll see. What else is going on? Oh, I have a correction from last week. I've been talking about Trey songs on the last couple episodes. The last episode, I talked about Saranis Jackson, the actor from Insecure that played Dro, the real tall guy. Talked about his commentary on Trey songs. And the previous week, I had talked about Rory on his podcast talking about Trey songs. And I said, well, you know, now that Rory has said something, will this be like a watershed moment where because he spoke up, like the comedian that spoke up about Cosby, will Rory be the breaking point that encourages people to come forward? And a very kind woman corrected me. And she said, actually, Saranis Jackson started talking about it before Rory. She's like, that was the first time I heard a guy come out and talk about what an asshole Trey Songz was. And I looked it up and she's absolutely correct. Saranis Jackson started speaking about it in March. Rory started speaking about it a couple weeks ago. So I just want to give credit where credit is due. So Ronis Jackson, who has a history of just calling a thing a thing. Like just when you're just like, oh, the, the moment is passed and no one's going to say anything. He'll be like, ah, 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 ah. He likes to put a nail in a coffin. But he was, one, he was the first guy, public figure, male, to start speaking out about Trey Songz. Kiki Palmer was the first woman who's a public figure that we've known to speak up. But then Saranis Jackson is the first man. I just want to acknowledge that because, you know, stories keep coming up. And I was like, how many more would there be? Because there's a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke. We've gone through the list before for there to be no fire. I want to talk about this interview with Megan Thee Stallion. She did an interview with, uh, with Gail King. The clip started circulating over the weekend. The interview happened this morning. I have not seen the actual video. I read a ton of news stories about it. They all seem to say the same thing. And the clip that circulated over the weekend had all the tea in it. Other than in her interview this morning, she confirmed, because many people had speculated, they were like, oh, you know, Meg and Tori must have had some sort of relationship, sneaky link, dating, something. And Meg was like, no, that is not the case. He was a friend. He was someone I knew, but I wasn't involved with him. Let's pull up this story. And so if you have no idea what I'm talking about, because everybody doesn't, everyone hasn't been following along with this Megan story. Back in 2020, I want to say July, Meg Thee Stallion was shot in the feet after leaving a party at Kylie Jenner's house. She, Tori, Tori Lanes, the rapper, her best friend, they were leaving the party Megan says on this, on this new Gail interview, she says there had been um, a disagreement, an argument, if you will, because Meg was ready to leave and nobody else wanted to leave. That's what she says the argument was about. But as she points out, and she was like, you know, that's like regular friends argument. Like that's nothing that should escalate to a shooting. But so she says she was arguing and she got out the car, the truck, because she was like, this is some bullshit. And she says, 
Tori leaned over the window and started shooting at her, yelling, dance, bitch. So she's going on Instagram Live. I think she's posted a few statements. She wrote an editorial for the New York Times. I remember that. This is the first time she's actually done like a TV interview to talk about the incident. I'm looking up this other article. I'm reading on People now um, because what I had was like the backstory from when this originally happened. This is a People story from this morning. Megan says she was really scared because she'd never been shot at before. I don't know if I should overly read into that phrasing, but I was like, did you expect to be shot at some point, babe? She also says that she never put her hands on anybody. She said, I never raised my voice too loud. This was one of those times where it shouldn't have gotten this crazy. She says Tori shot her a couple times. She said, as he was shooting, she says, quote, I didn't even want to move. I didn't want to move too quick because I'm like, oh, my God, if I take the wrong step, I don't know if he could shoot something that's super important. I don't know if he could shoot me and kill me. She also says that initially when the police came, she told them that she stepped on glass and that's what happened to her feet. She says it was right after the George Floyd incident and Tori was someone that she knew. There was a hot gun in the car. There are black folk being pulled over by the police in L.A. She said she was scared the police would show up and shoot everybody. She said there were helicopters overhead and she just didn't know what was going to happen next. That's why she lied in the beginning and just said she cut her feet on glass. So Tory Lanez, I think it's important to say, swears up and down that he did not shoot Meg. Meg has also made videos and just point blank said, Tory shot me, you shot me, you shot me. She's repeatedly said this man has shot her. The reaction to this story is so weird to me. And not just this time, but I mean, every time Meg says, he shot me. People are like, did he really? Did you really get shot? I was like, am I the only person that remembers when she posted the pictures of her fucked up feet? And I know sometimes the way I deliver things, like the way I phrase things or the inflection in my voice makes it sound like I'm making light of something. I'm not. He shot the fuck out her feet. She posted her fucked up feet with like stitches and and holes and like healing wounds on the Internet. At least one foot. Like I distinctly remember it. And I looked it up last night because I was like, did I imagine that? Because no one ever talks about it. And I was like, did, did, did I see somebody else's feet? Am I confusing stories? Meg posted a picture of her feet. Something happened to her. And she's repeatedly said, Tori did it. Tori did it. But there is this whole narrative that like Tori didn't do that shit. If he didn't do it, who did it? Do you understand that for Meg to accuse this man on multiple occasions of shooting her and he didn't do it would make her a juicy smoothie level of batshit crazy? Do y'all really think Meg the Stallion is that out of her fucking mind? I, I, I don't. I don't. I believe he shot her. I also saw people be like, why is she still talking about this? She got shot. This is traumatic. I've never been shot. Lesser things have happened to me that I still talk about because it's traumatic. But somebody that you know you're, you're cool enough with, that you, you know you go party with them and they're your ride home, they shot you? And yell, dance, bitch? That's like some shit from like movies. That doesn't happen in real life unless it does. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I also find it really weird that like Tori's like, I didn't shoot her. Well, then who shot her? If you didn't shoot her, how did she get shot, my dude? You, then you tell me who the shooter was. The reactions to this are so fucking crazy. Why is she still talking about Because she got shot. How come Megan can talk about this, but Tori can't? There was a situation, I think, last time they were in court. The judge had Tory detained and raised his bail. They said he was violating the protective order 
by talking about Megan on social media. And they said what he was saying could be considered harassment or, or threatening. Like he was, he's not supposed to interact with her at all, but he's making these statements that are clearly aimed at her. So he got a, so they raised his bail and they detained him. He had to pay some more money to get out of jail. People were like, well, why can't he speak? But Megan can go on TV and she can speak. Well, because Megan is the alleged victim here. And there is no protective order against Megan. Tory can't speak because there's a protective order because he is alleged to have shot this woman multiple times. That's why he can't speak. Y'all, I took the LSAT. I never went to law school. I just watch a lot of Law and Order. Y'all didn't watch Law and Order too? Y'all don't know the basics of like protective orders? Like you can't like, you know, physically be around people and you can't threaten them? You can't harass them? That's basic. And even if you don't know, if you don't understand, you didn't watch Law & Order compulsively, does your Google work? I see you posting on Twitter. I see you posting on Facebook. Your Internet Explorer works. Use it for your benefit. Research. People are like, well, why now? Why is she telling her story now? Because she feels like it. Because they're back and forth in court. And every time something crazy happens with Tori, people get on this thing with Meg and she's lying. She wasn't shot. She's making it up. Who shot her? Somebody shot her. Who shot her? Do y'all think she shot herself? Who shot her? I also saw folks talking about Megan snitched on Tory. He shot her, allegedly. She is under the belief that this man shot her. In what world should she not snitch? Somebody shoots you and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to protect them. I'm not a snitch. Fuck you. You stupid. Somebody shot at you with no regard to your harm, no injury, whether you can walk again. I saw somebody say the same thing about um, this guy that ASAP allegedly shot. So, you know, the shooting with, with ASAP. We talked about ASAP got arrested at LAX last week for a shooting that happened in November. It's alleged that he shot at one of his friends. You know, that whole ASAP, there's ASAP Ferg, there's ASAP Rocky. There's like a whole crew of them. One of the other ASAP is collective is, is that the correct word for it? one of the other asap people revealed who the person was that said asap rocky shot at them and that asap person called the person who was not shot shot at grazed he thinks do you remember, we talked about that he was like yeah i think the bullet grazed me how do you not know whether it did or it didn't but okay i again i've never been shot at i don't have any concept of this but that ASAP identified the other ASAP and called the ASAP who was shot at a snitch for saying ASAP Rocky shot at him. What? What? I also want to point out everyone in this conversation is like at least 30. What? Y'all grown ass men talking about he's a snitch because I told police that he shot at me. Mofo fired a gun at you. Best case scenario, they were trying to injure you. Worst case scenario, they were trying to kill you. You want me to protect your ass after that? I can see if there was a shootout. Like, I shot at you, you shot at me. Fair. But that's not even the claim. It's we got into an argument and this nigga tried to shoot me. I'm a snitch for telling the police this nigga tried to shoot me? Get the fuck out of here. I'll be a snitching ass, snitching ass snitch. Get the fuck out of here. I'd really be glad when this Megan case goes to trial and we can see what is what. Because... These details trickling out and people trying to spin it one way or another. But you know what? Because I know people the way I know people. And, I, and we've seen people be convicted of stuff. And people be like, no, they didn't do it. Cosby got convicted. No, he didn't do it. It was wrong. 
Okay. R. Kelly got convicted. Fast ass girls. Did he really do all the things he accused them of? Were they really not consenting? They weren't even aged to consent. We see people defending R. Kelly. We see people defending Trey Songs. All these accusations coming out against him. If Tory Lanez is actually found guilty of shooting Megan, are people actually going to believe he did it? Or are they going to be like, the system, the black man, the white man, the railroading of the black man, the black man can't catch a break, black women lie. Like, I, I don't really see the narrative changing. So this whole trial could happen or not. People going to think what they want to think one way or another. I just want to know who shot the woman. If Tory ain't do it, who did it? Tory, tell me who did it. You didn't do it. It's a goddamn shame. This woman has had to go on multiple platforms over the course of nearly two years, trying to get people to believe she was actually shot after posting, after posting pictures of her fucked up feet. You know some other shit that doesn't make sense? We talked about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp last week. They're in court right now, and notably not for divorce. After they were divorced, Amber wrote a piece for the Washington Post and she referred to herself as, I want to say, a survivor of abuse or something like that. She did not name Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp felt that it was inferred that she, that she was talking about him. And he sued her, I want to say, for what, like $50 million? I'm reading this on The Guardian because they have all the messy details. So he's suing her. And this is not the first time this has come up. He sued a newspaper in... I want to say the UK for saying he was, I think wife beater was, was the phrase that they used. He sued them and lost the case. So, and so now he's suing Amber for, for her editorial in the Washington Post. She's also counter suing him for a hundred million. Last week we talked about how there was human shit in their bed. He says she did it. She says maybe the dog did it. He was like, no, I know human shit when I see human shit. It's a mess. But all these details are coming out as they're basically trying to like prove the other person was the violent one or the crazy one. It seems like both of them are unstable, I think might be fair. There's all sorts of depictions and video and pictures of of Johnny Depp in the throes of of drug addiction and alcoholism. He hated his ex-wife he said that when they dated like she just seemed almost too good to be true she was absolutely amazing he was he was head over heels but things quickly deteriorated after they got married his version of events and then there are these text messages which he says like crazy shit crazy shit let me see if i can find one he texted one of his friends about Amber, he said, hopefully that cunt's rotting corpse is decomposing in the fucking trunk of a Honda Civic. This is the year before they divorced. There's another one where he talks about drowning her and setting her on fire. And he says, I will fuck her burnt corpse afterward to make sure she's dead. Uh, sir, you trying to prove to people that you weren't, you know, violent, you weren't abusive. Because, you know, he's lost work. He lost, he, lost the, uh, he lost the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise because of her accusations. And he's tired of people thinking that he's like this horrible person. And I was like, bruh, these details, these videos about, about your drug use, about the, crazy, about the crazy shit that's going through your mind to even, to even like, it's one thing to like think horrible things, but actually like type it out and text it to somebody else. Like, this is not helping the reputation that you're trying to redeem. 
I'm just saying, like, maybe you didn't beat the woman, but if you were trying to get, like, a better reputation, this, this ain't the way. To credit, Amber doesn't really sound much better. She's, she's admitted that she was violent with him. There's some story about how, like, he lost the tip of his finger. They got into a fight. Let me see if I can find that story, because I was like, what? Okay, partially severed finger in Australia. What? Do you understand how crazy this shit is? So I'm reading this also on The Guardian. They got messier details in, in the newspapers in the state. So it says, Depp testified that Heard had become enraged when he started drinking when they were in Australia. She threw a bottle of vodka at him, severing the top of his finger. He says, quote, blood was pouring out. I think I went into some sort of, I don't know what a nervous breakdown feels like, but that's probably the closest that I've been. Nothing made sense. Depp says he hid in the bathroom and he was later taken to a hospital. He told doctors that his finger had been caught in large accordion doors. He says, I lied because I didn't want to disclose that it had been misheard that had thrown a vodka bottle at me and took my finger off. I didn't want her to get into trouble. I'm glad they're apart because clearly they didn't need to be together. Best case scenario, she's throwing vodka bottles and shitting in the bed. She says he was getting so drunk and so high that he did crazy shit, including physically, sexually, and emotionally abuse her. And she says he's saying that he doesn't know what happened. She said because he was too damn drunk or too damn high to even remember. So Johnny Depp has been on trial, I guess, for like the last week or so. And then as of this morning, because I just did a search for, for Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, he's currently on trial. Like CBS's latest update is seven minutes ago. Now Amber Heard's lawyer is doing the cross-examination. Let me just say this. I'm reading this on CBS News. I think it's important to just point out, because, you know, I'm not trying to get sued. Johnny Depp has said that he never hit Amber Heard and that he has never struck a woman. He has accused Heard of abuse instead. He also did speak extensively about his own issues with drugs and alcohol. So that's not, that's not even in question. CBS has broken it down into a top 10 of the craziest shit. Let's see what's on this list real quick. It says Depp painted with the blood on his finger after it was cut during a fight with her. This is the, the incident we just talked about with the when she, he said that she threw a vodka bottle and it sliced his finger. And I'm reading this on CBS News, so credible news site. It says Depp said after being cut, he wrote on the walls with his blood, then dipped his finger in paint to keep writing. What? Depp accused Amber of roundhouse punching him, which resulted in a bruise under his eye. He also claimed that during the altercation, he thought she hurt her foot on a door. And when he went to check on her, she kicked the bathroom door into my head. How did y'all, I'm like, how did y'all end up together? I'm glad they're away from each other. I can't make a call on, on what did happen and what didn't happen. All this shit probably happened. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, everything from the shitting of the bed to the abuse. Did she throw a vodka bottle? Probably, maybe. I don't know. None of it would surprise me. I'm glad these people are apart. I hope they've gotten individual therapy so they don't carry either the pain from this or the pain they brought into this into another relationship. They, this, this screams, I need help. Immediately. Hastily. Now. Whew. All right. That's the episode. I'm uh, not about to go edit this. I'm about to go run errands and then I'll edit this 
When I'm on the plane, I'll send it in somewhere from Europe. Hopefully, it will be up and to you on Tuesday morning. Tuesday American morning. I'm going to do my best to pull this off. I hope I can. Wish me luck. Not giving a drop for merchandise. I've taken the site offline. Uh, merch will be on sale again when I return. Um, and I'm not quite sure when that's going to be just yet. I do have a ticket with a return date. I'm probably going to extend it. You know me. So, yes, that is not everything. And I'll be back on Friday. I have not gone on hiatus from the podcast because I cannot take a hiatus every time I leave the country. Might be a little early because of the time difference. Ghana's eight hours ahead. Talk soon. Bye.